May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, the one who comes to us and the one who comes again. Amen. So this Sunday, we always read one of the stories about Thomas doubting, about Jesus showing up to the other disciples and Thomas missing out and then Thomas being like, yeah, unless I see it, I'm not believing And because of this, there's been many a sermon over the decades and eons written about the idea that unless we believe like the first disciples, we're wrong. Nobody should be like Thomas. Thomas was a terrible example. But I find this kind of shortchanging Thomas's character. Because this is not Thomas's first resurrection rodeo. He has been here before. You may remember at the beginning of the uh, Lenten series, we talked about Thomas when we were going to visit Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Thomas is there and Jesus is like, okay, it's finally time to go on to Bethany. Let's go. And Thomas is like, yeah, guys, let's go. We should die with, with Lazarus. Let us go and die with him. Peter, on the other hand, who we think is the good guy, right? He is like, oh, but Jesus, you can't die. Then somehow, after the resurrection, Jesus shows up to the other 11 disciples and we give a bad rap to Thomas because he didn't get the same thing they got and he questions them. The problem with this text is not Thomas's doubt. Doubt is natural. And in fact, if we read John's Gospels, we have kind of from the beginning through, what we keep hearing is that there are room for questions in our faith. We don't have to blindly believe anything. There's room to turn around, to change, to repent, to become new, and to receive new life over and over It doesn't matter if you're Zacchaeus or Thomas or, oh, the high priest that comes in the middle of the night, that guy. Nicodemus, there we go. (laughs) Yay. Gold star for Dan. Or Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea or any of the other characters of John's gospel, they all come kind of as questionable subjects and get a chance and another chance and another chance. Thomas starts out knowing, come that we may die. And then he gets here and he's kind of under a lot of stress. And so he questions some of his faith. I don't know about you, but that's a disciple I can get behind. That's a disciple that I understand. It's easy to follow Jesus when I think Jesus is in charge, when I can see that Jesus has got this. When I'm just going to visit some bereaved sisters because their their brother has died, I can do that, right? We know what to do in those places. But when we lose the people that are closest to us, when we lose the people that we love the most when our grief is more than we can bear and then things get crazier on crazy, that's when our faith starts to be like, eh, I don't know. I don't, uh, 
I want to go, Jesus, but I really need that experience. And what is gospel to Thomas in this passage is not that Jesus comes to the other 12 or that Jesus accepts him despite his doubt. It's that even though Jesus knows he knows, even though Jesus knows that Thomas has faith and has received that gift, Jesus offers the experience of real presence to Thomas again and again. Jesus offers that experience to the disciples again. He doesn't say, well, Thomas knows. He doesn't need me to show up to see that. He knows. He knows about death and resurrection. He's seen me do it with Lazarus, so certainly he understands that I am truly resurrected. It's not like this is impossible news. That's what happens with our life of faith, right? We can often get caught in this place. Or others we see struggling with their faith, caught in these spots where like, they want to believe, but the world is too much. Maybe they used to believe and have fallen away from the church. We know those people, right? We sit around in meetings and groups and at dinner and at conversations and we say, how can we get those people back? What do we need to do to bring people back to the church? What does Jesus do to bring Thomas back into relationship with the disciples? Does he look at him and say, hey, Thomas, get with the program. Just believe it already, buddy. No. He offers him in the place where he is at, at the time where he can accept it, the real presence, a real experience of Christ's love. A real transformational moment. He answers his prayer in a way that to us might seem a little bold and a little crash, right? Unless I touch the wounds, unless I touch the side. I don't know about you, but I don't like people touching me that much. And I know a couple people that when I was pregnant liked to touch my belly. I really don't want them to do that. I don't know a single pregnant lady that does. But they do, right? And it's like the parallel question here. Can I touch your belly? Can I touch your wounds, Jesus? I want to know that it's real. I can't just believe because someone's told me. I can't just believe because you're standing in front of me. I want to, I want to make sure that I can feel it, that I can touch it, that I can experience it. Because the complete experience of Christ is more powerful than just hearing the story. The complete experience of Christ is more powerful than just witnessing the story happen in front of you. Feeling God with you, knowing God is close to you, is much more transformative than just hearing my testimony. Right? It's much more transformative than just watching it happen in someone else's life. How do we create that moment? How do we open those experiences? Well, there's a couple of things. And Jesus shows them to him right here in this lesson. One, we keep trying. 
We offer it week after week after week. We don't just worship or have coffee hour or Sunday school when it's convenient for us, when we know enough people will be there. We offer it over and over because we never know who's showing up. We have hospitality ready to invite people in at every moment. Even when the doors seem locked. Even when it seems like it would be easier to say, ah, no, not so much. We say, come on in. You're welcome here. Everybody is welcome here. Come to this place. We offer experiences that allow for transformation, for growth, and for questions. That's why we have Sunday school. So we can ask questions, right? There's that great song by Olaf in Frozen 2. Everything will make sense when I get older, right? When I get older, everything will perfectly make sense. If you've not heard this song, I invite you to ask Alexa to sing it for you. Um, Because you don't want me singing it for you. But basically, Olaf, who has about the mentality of a four-year-old, the snowman, goes through this whole thing about how he doesn't understand what's going on in the world or why he's at this place, right? And at the end, he says, absolutely everything will make sense when I get older. We kind of look at our faith that way, right? We don't make sense a lot of it in Sunday school, but then we get confirmed and suddenly it's all supposed to make sense because we have graduated church. Check. No more questions here. Except, um, huh? And what? And so we keep asking questions. We keep creating spaces for that. That's why we get together and learn and pray and grow. Because truth be told, sometimes things don't make sense. Jesus being risen from the dead, even though we have seen Jesus raise other people from the dead, still doesn't make sense to Thomas and the disciples. What is going on in this place? What does this new life mean? Sometimes that's true for us, right? Sometimes it's after we get through the stressful thing that the faith becomes hard. We know Christ was with us when we were in the scary place. We know that God was present when we were hurting. But now that I'm not hurting, where is Jesus showing up now? And what does that look like? And how do I live a resurrected life on the other side of this old person when I don't even know who this new person I am becoming is? And that's why we gather. That's why we pray. That's why we have Sunday school and Bible school and pastors with cell phones and Facebooks and stuff. So we can ask those questions. So we can learn those things. Because Jesus meets us in those places. The other thing we do week after week after week is come to this table. And one of the greatest things I think about the sacrament of communion is this. It is not just a sacrament that you feel. It is not just a sacrament that you smell. It is not just a sacrament that I proclaim to you. It is not just a sacrament that you watch. It is a sacrament that takes all five of your senses. It allows you to experience Christ in every way you can. You see the bread broken for you. You smell the wine shed for you. You taste the sweetness and the dryness of both. You feel the texture in your mouth and in your hands. 
you hear the crisp, you hear the proclamation, the promise. And it doesn't just dissipate in front of you. It is not a moment and gone, but it goes into every cell of your body. Many times when this text is read, we get to that verse where it says, blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen, right? I don't know who those people are. Often, we are cited as those people, right? The umpteenth generation from Jesus, we are those people. We believe even though we haven't seen, except the problem is we do see. We do experience Jesus, not in the same way Thomas did, not with the wounds on his hands, not with the wounds in his side. But it would be a lie if we didn't admit that every one of us who has seen Jesus has experienced a wound. Every one of us has been hurt and seen healing and been brought to new life in some place. And that we have touched the resurrected body here at this table time and time again. The problem with this text is not that Thomas doubts. The problem with this text is not that Thomas wants what everybody else already got. The problem with this text is that sometimes in the midst of crisis, it is hard for us to remember what that experience of Christ was like before. And that's where Thomas stands. And the answer to that problem is Christ's grace of returning over and over, of showing himself to us time and time again. And our call from this text is to keep proclaiming, keep showing, keep meaning, keep tasting, keep experiencing, keep witnessing, and be vulnerable enough to offer our own wounds for the sake of our community, getting to see Christ in us. Amen.